I feel like people came out and they watched everything that was going on in the organization. They might not be impressed if you showed up for one day, but if you showed up for 365, you might understand why we've had some of the success that we've had. I don't feel that I've ever been extraordinary in any one aspect of the business, but the ability to get up and do it every single day for a length of time with zeal and resilience has created what we have now. And looking back, I feel like that was the major factor for me and being willing to put my head down for years and years and years because I knew where I wanted to get to later. That's the voice of Evan Keller, one of the greatest examples of all-around personal and professional success of anyone I know. Evan's success epitomizes the concept of executing simple disciplines every day for a long period of time. Through this process, he has become a great champion in vector marketing and an amazing role model in life. I know you'll enjoy hearing his story and his lessons on the podcast today. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. We have a guest today who has been very often requested by many of our loyal listeners. It is Mr. Evan Keller. And Evan has been a great example of all-around success, both in and out of the business, since he started with Cutco in 2003. He worked with us all throughout college at Marquette University. He was an All-American scholarship winner during that time. Uh, worked with us in the summers at home in the San Diego area. And Cutco helped pay for school for Evan. Uh, he graduated from Marquette as a double major in finance and marketing, graduated magna cum laude, and became a district manager in Temecula, California in 2008. His first eight months as a district manager, he was number one in the company and won the Silver Cup and then grew his uh, office year over year over the next six years until becoming a division manager for the South Coast Division in the year 2014. Uh, his office was number one in the entire company that year, broke the all-time record, $2.9 plus million in sales. He's had six years in a row, over $2 million in sales in his office. One of those years, 2017, was over $3 million in his office. And so over the last few years, Evan's San Diego office has been one of the top offices in the company. His South Coast division has been among the top divisions in the company year in and year out as well. Personally, Evan has been married for eight years to his wife, Annie, who is a nurse. 
and they have two children, Larkin, who is three and a half, Lars, who is one and a half. And as I mentioned, Evan has been an amazing example for so many people of personal and professional excellence. And so we're going to get into talking a lot about that today, among many other things. Evan Keller, thanks very much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Dan. I'm grateful to be on. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. Well, let's start out by hearing about how you got started with Cutco and Vector. Yeah, of course. I think my story is somewhat atypical. Uh, I was recommended the position by a friend. However, before I came in for an interview, I knew everything about the job. I'd seen the demo a handful of times. I'd been to my friend's house to watch him do the clothes. Uh, I'd been to two team meetings and still went to my interview thinking I wasn't going to get the job, not really understanding uh, everything about the business. And I got recommended that first summer after high school and started, started selling from there. And uh, it was a wonderful first summer. And then I was off to college. So that's, that's sort of how I got my start. My parents were unsure at best for me starting a job. Like many people have a similar story, but it felt really good at the end of the summer to make, make believers out of them and went off to Marquette University and used all my, my Cutco money for Marquette tuition. So it worked out pretty well. All right. And was it Adam Sobieski that recommended you? It, it wasn't. It was the other way around. So uh, I recommended Adam to the position. In fact, he was very resistant to <laughs> working the position. I'm actually sitting in his house right now. He lives 20 houses down the street because we just couldn't get away from each other. So uh, I'm doing it here. And he told me that he wanted to see how I would do first at the position. And if I did well enough, then he would start the next summer. So that's what, <laughs> that's what happened there. Yeah. But we all went to the same high school and that's how we were connected. Outstanding. That's cool. And, and for anyone that isn't currently in Cutco, Adam Sobieski is somewhere around like the number seven or eight or six all-time Cutco right. sales rep in history. So uh, both have had illustrious careers on different paths in the company. Tell us about uh, your years of college and just uh, you know what were some of your experiences as a Cutco rep during those summers and what were some of the lessons that came out of those experiences? Yes. Yeah, so my first couple of years selling Cutco, I was primarily doing it focused in the summertime and the wintertime and was fortunate enough to earn enough to pay all the tuition bills and live pretty comfortably while I was at school. And in my latter years at college, I sold Cutco in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which was an experience in and of itself was there's actually people out there driving to demos in snow and sleet and ice. And I had my experiences with that, which was uh, which was tremendous, but that doesn't so happen grateful. in San Diego. <laughs> uh, I don't even think once. So I really enjoyed that process, but uh, you know, reminded me to be real grateful to have the ability to sell Cutco in San Diego. But uh, some of the things that I really remember, I, I, I particularly remember my first summer selling Cutco. Uh, for me, my district manager, uh, the late Blair Berkeley, had an immense impact on me as a young man, and I can remember entering his business and just wanting to be like him. So he had, you know, what I kind of perceived from my young age as the whole package of lifestyle and, and excellence in the business. And so that really had a big factor for me staying around. I think looking back, I might not have realized it at the time, but that was certainly a part of it. And then I recently just had 
a conversation with a really good friend of mine who's my best friend today, who was my assistant manager when I was a new representative. And one of the most impactful moments is when he invited me over to his house and we just talked about, we talked shop, but we talked life. And I, and I said, this guy's one year older than me, two years older than me. And and he's got a good head on his shoulders. So I just knew that the company was creating leaders and I wanted more of that for myself. So that definitely that definitely stuck out for me. My first summer selling Cutco. My second summer, I had a, an All-American summer. And so that was momentous for me. And I, I really, after that summer, started to believe that I could do something great. Where my first summer, I did, I had great results, about twenty-five dollars or $30,000 in sales. But the second summer is where I think I flipped a switch in my brain that I, I thought that I could stay here for a longer time and accomplish something great while I was here. So there's a lot of lessons along the way, but mostly how to, how to hear the word no and keep pressing forward. I, I really value that now looking back. And uh, there's a lot of challenges, as we know, for being representatives just on a daily basis. So yeah, those are really good times to think about those four years in college really focused on that. I had some experience being an assistant manager a little later, but uh, I was really mostly focused on sales in a big way my first couple of years on the job. Mm, awesome. And cool to hear that uh, you got a chance to work with Blair. I know that uh, he brought a lot of the same qualities to the job and to life that, that you bring now. And uh, just uh, great to see that you had a chance to emulate someone like that. Why did you choose to become a district manager after you graduated from Marquette? I was pursued heavily by my division manager, which was a big compliment to have that. But I can remember having calls with them when I was in Milwaukee and why does this person have so much interest in me being a part of the organization? And I, I mean, I understood, but I, I had options. So when I graduated with my degrees, I, I did interview other places and wanted to, I think a lot of people go through that, wanted to see what was available to them. But honestly, I think a big reason that drew me to the district manager position was the pay compensation that I could earn as a young man, 21, 22 years old. And, you know, I wish I could say I wanted to impact people and influence and be the great leader. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm answering from the heart, like that was one of the biggest decisions for me because while I was in the business school, that was the frame of reference that everybody that I was graduating was in. And so what firm or what business or what bank are you going to go work at? what's going to be your starting pay. And so that was definitely in my mind. And looking back now, obviously, that's become so much less important. It's been so much more about giving value to people and helping them create a path for themselves and carve something out that they probably didn't see possible for them. And there's so much more that comes out of that that's more gratifying and fulfilling. But uh, I was attracted to that. I was attracted to being autonomous. And I was attracted to creating a lifestyle that was going to be a little bit different than my peer group. So those are some of the things that really drew me to being a district manager. And then after my first summer, you know, we created some leaders with the likes of uh, Todd Straw and John Roach and Matt Graves came out of that first summer that we were working. And that, that was really impactful for me to see that shift that can happen for people, not necessarily because of me, but just I occupied that space and was there as a a place for them to spring off of as a, as a district manager. So I'm real grateful for that. Well, those are some big names that you mentioned that uh, are doing some pretty great things either in our business or out of our business. And Matt Graves is another one of the top all-time Cutco sales reps and uh, pretty interesting that he grew out of your first summer. I do think that you know most 
young people when they get out of college that uh, they have dollar signs in their eyes. And that's the first thought process people have is, you know, what am I going to earn at what I do? But you realize the longer you're you're doing something that the contribution you're making is what gives you the most personal fulfillment. And what was cool is that you are walking into an opportunity to have both of those things. You're able to contribute to people and impact people in a positive way. And you were able to be in a position where you were in control of your own income. So it wasn't going to be based on what somebody else told you you were going to earn or you know when somebody else decided you were going to get a pay raise but that you had a chance if you were really good at what you did and you were right out of the gate, uh, that you could earn a substantial income right away. So that's a powerful position to be in. Tell us about some of your most transformational moments in your management career, uh, the times that you feel like have really shaped you into, into who you are today. There's been a lot of moments that have shifted and then you, you look back at your whole catalog of your career and realize that it's been one evolution and transformation along the way. And I, I think where I got my, my biggest transformations were transitional periods. So for example, you know, when I first became an assistant manager, to be frank, my experience wasn't so great. Uh, I had a manager at the time that was getting promoted and moving on to uh, another to run another area. And so he wasn't quite as engaged uh, as he could have been. And that really speaks to the value of having in engaged leader in the people that they are leading on a daily basis. And it took some time for me to come back into that role as an assistant manager and then becoming a sales manager in the pilot office. And then I did work with my division manager who was hyper engaged. And so I, I thrived off that. That was really impactful for me. Another transformational moment for me was uh, in 2008, when we, we captured our, our first silver cup. 2008 wasn't exactly a great year as as we talk about so frequently across across our economy and i remember my parents being so opposed to me starting the rep job and working it and then came around and then when i became a district manager that opposition rose again in a very strong way where i was about to undertake this entrepreneurial effort during one of our most challenging times in an economic cycle and when our team rallied around that and captured the championship that year, it was a transformation moment for me because my circles of influence really bought into me doing this position long term as a career position. So, you know, garnering and gathering those people's support was immense for me. And then, of course, my own personal belief in myself continued to increase in terms of what I could see myself doing in the business. Another transformational time for me was getting promoted to run the South Coast Division. And uh, taking the reins of that in 2014, I've never been so fearful and excited to take on a new opportunity. And we joke all the time about that. There's no handbook, there's no manual, and life is, is this way, I suppose. So you know, you get you get the the nod, and then they say, "Do a great job." You know, of course, there's a lot of support, but basically, it was on on me to craft my culture and start to develop the next layer of leaders in South Coast. And I think we've done a, a very respectable job of doing that so far. There's so much more to be had, which is why I see myself here. I mean, I'm going to be going into my 17th year with Cutco, but I see myself here for much longer because there's still great work that needs to be done. And, you know, a lot of the other transformational moments for me, Dan, are 
it's not really about moments necessarily in my career or some accolade or promotion. It's really the people, you know, it's, it's the likes of people like John Roach or Matt Graves or Todd Straw or Sharissa Sosa or Brittany Livingston or, you know, all of my district manager team earning their promotions and people really developing a skill set inside of my organization to become stronger. I, I just feel that that for me is transforming the way that I lead. It's transforming the way that I communicate with people. It's transforming the way that I perceive my business and what impact and influence I can make on them. So I feel like sometimes it's a daily thing in this role. Yeah. You know, you talked about that transition to becoming a division manager. And, and I know that in a way it was kind of an an unexpected timing in what occurred. Yes. That, uh, your division manager was recruited away from us, had uh, an opportunity presented to him that he decided to jump over and do, and that uh, it uh, left the division without uh, a leader and that you were clearly the choice for the job. And the reason is because to be a great leader, you have to have a followership, meaning people have to want to follow you. And that you know, with the people that uh, remained in the division, you were the person that they would have followed, that they wanted to follow, that that uh, that they would have wanted leading them. And you had built relationships and you had built up a lot of respect from other people and, and admiration. And a lot of the reasons, you know, that we're having this podcast and things we're gonna that we're gonna talk about here, that people wanted to emulate you. And so you were a natural choice as a leader because you had put yourself in that position through your actions, through your personal integrity, just through a lot of the characteristics about you. Uh, you'd put yourself in that great position to lead. So it's no wonder you've succeeded because of those same traits, you know, ever since then. Now, at that point, this is 2014, you had already been married at this point for a couple of years. And I know you married your college sweetheart, right, Annie, who you met at Marquette. And during uh, the time after college, uh, you were running your office in Temecula. She was in nursing school in another state in Colorado, I believe, right? So you went through, you know, some a couple of years of having your relationship uh, over long distance. And then uh, you've got married, you've had a couple of kids since then. Uh, I think a lot of people would love to hear about your path in your relationship and your path in your family life. Uh, as again, you are just somebody that people so much want to emulate. I think people would love to hear a little bit about uh, just some of your experiences in your relationship and your family life. So why don't you speak to that for a little while? Yeah, thanks for asking about that. I mean, I, you know, for me, obviously, this is this is the area I'm, I'm most passionate about and, and brings the most life to my life, you know. And I did meet Annie in college at Marquette. If you hang around the nursing building long enough, I was hoping to get noticed. And uh, so we struck up our relationship there kind of late in our college and our, our senior year. And then when I did take on being a district manager, uh, you know, interestingly enough, I said, I I'm going to Temecula, California, which most people in Wisconsin would be like, well, what does that mean? Uh, that Where is that area? But interestingly enough, her older brother actually was living in Temecula and he was born and raised in Wisconsin and he was working for Abbott. And so it actually was sort of perfect serendipitous however you want to call it where there was even more reason for her to want to come out to temecula besides just wanting to see me and spend time so yeah we did long distance for i want to say something like a year and a half and that was actually instrumental in the development of our relationship not that i would 
think that's a great thing for people to just go after or do because it's fun, but it just, it forced us to communicate and strengthen our relationship based upon that key area. And every three or four weeks, I was either flying to Denver when she was a nurse out there, or I was flying her out. And uh, that's how we decided to build our relationship. Eventually, she moved out to Temecula, which was short-lived because San Diego was 50 minutes away. So she said, I'd prefer to live at the beach. So we, we moved there because that's what she wanted. I, I commuted to my office for about two years about an hour each way, which actually that was a really great thing for my career as well too. Just time by myself or time to have great conversations with people. But yeah, so we we got married 9, 10, 11. We've been together almost 12 years. Uh, She's amazing. And she currently is a ICU nurse in San Diego right now. And uh, we welcomed our daughter Larkin in 2016. And so she'll be coming up on four here. And she's a firecracker and it's so amazing to be a dad. And also Lars, my little Lars man came in 2018. So he is, uh, he's all boy and likes to wreck everything. And uh, (laughs) I couldn't be be happier about it. So the two of them are just amazing gifts for Annie and I. So, you know, we spend a lot of our, our time there and engaging with our kids and trying to bring them up to the the best that we can. So, uh, but yeah, we've been, been married for eight years and it's fantastic. It's fantastic for us. What do you feel like you love most about Annie? Ooh, okay. She might listen to this, right? So, uh, what do I love most about Annie? Okay. So I, I love that Annie challenges me. And, and I mean that in the sense that in my position currently running the South coast division as the division manager, I am uh, the, the tip of the spear, so to speak. I'm the person that's supposed to have the answers and get the the privilege to call a lot of the shots and how I want things to go. And uh, that does not always happen at my house. And I love that because I, I want her to be able to push back. And because of that, it, it really incites great conversations for us. And But she's tremendously talented. And I, I love that about her. And I, I love the fact that uh, my wife is an ICU nurse because... I see that I I would not be able to do that position. And I think it takes a special type of person to not only do, not to be only to be a nurse, but to do that type of nursing is incredible. So she's, she's going to work every day to, to save people. And that's now what my, my daughter says she wants to do, right? I want to, I want to, when I grow up, I want to save people like mom. I'm like, okay, well, I save people too, Larkin. Let me explain what I do. uh, (laughs) It doesn't hit exactly the same for her in that regard. But yeah, I mean, I could go on and on, but I love many things about her and, and we're growing together and working on our marriage all the time. And and because of that, we're thriving and we will continue to do so. Yeah, that's awesome. It's cool that you said about, you know, her saving people that, you know, she has a job that is impactful on others, uh, just as you do. And that uh, for anyone that has that opportunity in their work to be making a real difference somehow, there's just such a much greater feeling of fulfillment that comes from that uh, in being able to do that. And I also, you know, when you talked about her being a, a leader in the home and being able to, you know, challenge you or and or, you know, set the direction in the home. I know that as a, as a leader in business, um, we have to make a lot of decisions on a daily basis and we have to take initiative almost all the time in what we're doing. And that uh, it's nice when, uh, we can have a situation in our personal relationship where we don't always have to do that. 
sometimes you, you might want to, but it's it's nice to have somebody there that uh, you know has a, a high degree of, of initiative and is a decision maker and kind of help moves things forward. And it seems like you guys have that good partnership going on in your in your personal life, which is pretty powerful. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, one of the main things that a lot of people have asked for me to talk about with you is the idea of balancing both your personal and your professional life. So you have this, what people perceive as this great personal life, you know, awesome wife, two kids, everything going well. You're obviously one of the company's top performers as a leader in both your office and your division. And so let's talk about what you feel like are the keys to achieving excellence both personally and professionally. How do you strike that balance? What do you think are some of the important things that help keep both of those plates spinning at a very high level for you? So the first thing that comes to my mind when I I think about that, I just feel like people ask oftentimes about balance, right? And how how do you get it all done? And and I feel like more and more, I'm just perceiving it as just, it's an integration. It's just it's everything together. So it's not like I, I just work and then I'm also separately from that, I'm a dad. And then separately from that, I'm a husband. It just feels like right now for me, I'm doing it in a way that there's more fluidity to it. And what I would like to say here is that I can separate the two when it's needed, but I don't necessarily look at them as completely separate entities. And I think because of that, you know, I can involve my family in work things. And sometimes I'll share work things at home and vice versa. And it goes all different ways. But the number one thing that I think helps me have some type of separation is that particularly this year, Dan, I've really made a decision to be intentional with my time, you know, wherever, wherever we are, we need to be there. And when I'm with my family and I'm with my wife, I am intentional about my phone is down and I'm engaged in trying to play full out as much as I possibly can in those moments. And even though some of, I might spend most of my time in my business, the time that I, like literally hours, but the time that I'm actually spending with my kids or my wife resonates at a bigger level when I'm showing up for the hours that I am putting in. So uh, I'm trying to be as intentional as possible about that. And then when I'm at work, I'm, I'm choosing to work and making sure that I make those hours really, really count. So that way I don't have anything hanging over my head. I feel like a lot of managers in our company oftentimes get caught up working a lot of hours without necessarily being affected in those hours. And I'm certainly guilty of that over the years for sure. this year I'm, I'm guilty of that it's a it's an ongoing process to get better but i've just really decided to be intentional about where where i am i'm going to be there and be as focused as i possibly can and because of that the business will bloom and and then my marriage and uh, relationship with my kids will bloom even more so that's something that i'm spending a lot of time thinking about and trying to put into practice on a daily basis what are some of the most important activities in your work that you feel like enable you to be the most effective? What are the things you're doing on a day-to-day basis that uh, bring out the best in, in yourself and your people? Yeah. So I think the number one thing for me now trying to scale my organization is, is planning and forethought. Uh, doing vision casting. How do I want things to be? Where do things need to fall? So that way, because pe- everyone in my, my organization is looking to me for the answers and to lay out a framework and an outlay for how things need to be ran and what programs are going to be stressed, which ones are going to, you know, we're going to put on the the back of the 
back burner, so to speak. And so because of that, my best time is spent on planning. And that is something, by the way, that I like the least about my position. Uh, I, I just, I dread planning, but I know that when I get it done, the feeling, just like anything else, like when I get it done, it feels so good to have accomplished that. Another thing that I find now is very useful for my time is what I invest into my, uh, into my brain, what I'm reading, what I'm thinking about, what I'm journaling, what I'm absorbing. Uh, this year, I've really, I really feel like I've turned it up a different notch and absorbed a tremendous amount of content, but that allows me to stay fresh and bring different themes and ideas to my people where I feel like in the first three years as a division manager, that four years, maybe there might have been more recycling of, of content. And so now I feel like I'm bringing new things, which really invigorates me. And then another thing that you ask, where in my work am I, are people getting the best of me? And I, I feel like my best work is obviously running leadership events for my organization, right? Our, our leadership academy program and our management development program. But I feel like I'm at my best when I'm doing one-on-ones with people and I'm getting a chance to peel back layers and ask questions and have purposeful conversations with them. And that's when I feel most invigorated with my position. So, and that's the best way I can use my time as a division manager. Yeah. You know, I just feel like as, as a great leader, like the people in your organization, they want it. They want a piece of your time. They want to talk to you. They want to be around you and, uh, investing that time into one on one conversations, well executed events, right? Those are all some of the most valuable things that uh, we are doing as leaders. I like that you talked about planning first because the, you know, the way to have good events and the way to have good conversations is to make sure that you've thought through what are you trying to accomplish? Where are you trying to help someone go? What do they need from you? And, uh, and being able to craft the vision for your organization is a big part of your success. Just that level of preparation for what you're doing is what helps make you a little bit more effective. A, a little amount of time spent in preparation for a day or preparation for a week makes all of your work time multiply in effectiveness. And then, uh, talking about personal development and the time you're spending consuming good content is critical as well to one's growth as a leader. I can remember Jim Rohn talking about good communication and uh, the great uh, author, speaker, business philosopher, Jim Rohn. And he said, the first key to good communication is have something good to say. And it, it seemed like such an obvious, well, duh, of course, Right. But the way you have something good to say is that good ideas are internalized. They become a part of who you are. And the more that we're consuming ideas and getting repetition of good ideas, the more that those ideas become internalized so that when we need to be able to pull them out and leverage those ideas with others, we have them inside for us to share. And that helps make us better communicators, helps make us better leaders, just helps make us more effective in general. So. I thought that was powerful. What else do you feel like uh, is important in striking that balance between your business success and your personal success? What else comes to mind? So something that comes to mind immediately is I'm a big believer that, you know, the people that are around us that influence us really make a difference. in if we're able to push something forward or we stay stagnant or if we're pulled back, so something that's really key for me in terms of striking a balance is having, you know, for anybody that's listening to the podcast who does have a significant other uh, wife or otherwise is to make sure that 
it's communicated really effectively from where I'm going to use my time because I feel like if I don't do a good job setting expectations, then somebody's let down, right? And it could be my kids, it could be my wife, it could be my peers, it could be my friends, it could be my region manager, right? If I don't talk openly about what they can expect of me. And so that really helps me strike a better balance. So when, for example, everyone who's in our business knows we have big push periods and, you know, one of the keystones of having a great, a great sales push is talking to other people about what you're going to do. So they know what, when you're working really hard and when maybe you're taking the foot off the gas just a little bit. So that helps me strike that healthy balance. So particularly for my wife, so she knows exactly what she can expect of me when, and then Dan, something else that immediately comes to mind for me is that I find that I'm at my best when I'm ritualistic and what that means for me is, uh, you know, a, a morning routine, a powerful way to start my day. Uh, certain things that I'm going to be reading or consuming, or even eating every single day, uh, and then also how I'm going to do a Monday, how I'm going to accomplish a Tuesday, how I'm going to flow through a Wednesday, and making sure that that's all planned out really, really well. So if I if I'm on my rituals for how I do that, I'm more effective, I'm more productive, and I'm better at what I do, and I get more done which then as a young district manager, I had a lot of guilt because I didn't get everything done. It's hard as a solopreneur, but when you start to build people and other parts of your organization can grow and scale, more can get done at an effective level. And I could get a lot of that stuff done in the, the quote business hours. So that way, when I came home, I could, I could play big at home and yeah. I, could, I could show up like the top leader, top dog type of person in my business. I, I can show up like that man at home, which is really important for me. And of course, it's important for my family. Yeah. Can you give an example of a a professional ritual and and maybe even a personal ritual that comes into play in your life on a weekly basis? Yeah. So right now, my, one of my most important personal rituals is just my morning, my morning routine. So I'm up really early and I have some version of the miracle morning, which I know has spread rampant, not only through our community, but many others. And then I'm, I, I work out in the morning and I get some type of sweat on. And then after that, I still have some more quiet time in the morning to, to complete. My goal, Dan, is to get everything done before like 6.30 or 7 before Lars gets up. Because that's my only alone time really that I, that I truly have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, th- that, that's rituals for me in the morning. And then rituals for me on a professional level, I would say, I, you know, I, I do have to nod back at, at making sure I have planned time in my schedule to plan and then making sure I'm going through the methodology of all the things that I want to, from a week to a month to a campaign from my pilot to my division and then thinking larger than that, where we're going to go. So for me, it's having that time blocked in my schedule where I'm going to be going through planning on a regular basis. For me, that typically happens on Fridays uh, where it's best where I can do my, my thinking where everybody else in my division is typically moving and doing something else. So that's one of my most important professional rituals that I keep uh, on a weekly basis uh, when I can. That's great. That's great. And you talked about communicating your schedule and communicating expectations as far as like when you have to be working harder, when you have to be working more. And I think most spouses, most people in relationships understand there are seasons, right? Where in in pretty much any role, there are times where you have to work a little bit harder for a while. How do you find yourself counterbalancing that during the times where you have more flexibility? Are there things you like to do with family that, uh, you know, kind of help counterbalance those hard work seasons? 
Yeah, absolutely. So for us, I, I typically like to have some type of reward for our family for, you know, let's say achieving a goal or just maybe we didn't even hit the goal, but we, we finished the big season, you know, and for us, it's, it's the summertime and making sure that, you know, as, as simple as it sounds is just making sure that we can get away as a family, you know, so we recently took a trip out to Colorado and just made sure we took the family out there. And then we have a lot, we have a tight knit community out in Colorado that, uh, that we're really connected with and making sure that during that time, I'm able to actually relax, you know, the phone is put down in a way and I'm able to engage not only with my family there, but with the people that we're spending time with. And then I'm just making sure that, so not only just trips or like vacations or something like that, but I just, I'm really focused because my kids are young. So I'm really focused on making sure that my, my marriage is doing well right now with Annie. So it, it comes to having planned date nights or getaways. If we can get an overnight where somebody is willing and able to watch my children, it is one of the biggest gifts that anybody can give us. So if you, anybody's coming to San Diego and would like to watch two young kids, let me know and I will uh, give you the gift of my kids. So, but yeah, just, just time to make sure that we get one-on-one because I get, I can get so soaked into being the dad or so soaked into being, you know, the leader at work that uh, I want to make sure that my wife doesn't feel like she's on the back burner. Nice. Nice. Excellent. And, and I also, uh, just really liked, uh, as you were sharing about the, you know, the balancing, uh, right. The elements of the ritual. I like where you talked about integration, that there's some level of crossover between mm. business and personal, right? And I could see like a, a, a younger manager in Vector, for example, saying, hey, there's times where I'm going to put my phone in the other room and just focus completely on what I'm doing. And there might be other times where maybe I just you know finished a training class and um, I'm going to answer my phone to kind of show you how I'm working with people, how I'm impacting people, what, what the job is like for me. And then their family or their you know person there in their relationship get to see a little bit about uh, what they're actually doing, so that uh, you know they they get that sense of uh, how they're impacting people and and why what they're doing is important at times. And so I I can see there being a, a balance of those types of things in any relationship in any situation. But uh, being real present to what you're doing the vast majority of the time is key, and that's, that's obviously something I feel like that you've learned and that you demonstrate and, and intentionality uh, with how you use your time was another key element that I, I, I got out of what you shared right there. Any other advice you'd have for people who uh, you know feel like they admire you and would want to live a life more like what they perceive yours to be? Work hard, you know, even though some of the stuff that I, I'm, I was just kind of reflecting on what I had just shared with you. And I get this opportunity sometimes to put my phone down and things still move in, in my business. But there were so many years, especially as a young district manager, where I wasn't willing to do that. I was more willing to work late and start early with the work where maybe I wasn't as quote balanced as I am now. But I feel like that's one of the reasons that I'm able to experience a lot of the things that I am now. So like, there's no substitute for that. And we, we talk about it all the time. It's not sexy, but it's the fact. So being willing to work hard and put in the hours is, is a, is a big deal. And yeah, I mean, maybe Dan, I'll leave it at that. I've shared before with the company where it's like, I feel like people came out and they watched everything that was going on in the organization. They might not be impressed. You showed up for one day, but if you showed up for 365, you might understand 
why we've had some of the success that we've had. There's still a lot more that's on the table. There's more I definitely want to get. But I think for me, it's just been being willing to show up. I don't feel that I've ever been extraordinary at any one aspect of the business, but the ability to get up and do it every single day for a length of time with zeal and resilience has created what we have now. And looking back, I feel like that was the major factor for me in being willing to put my head down for years and years and years because I knew where I wanted to get to later. Yeah. You know, in my interview with the former Vector CEO, Mike Lancelot, he said the two most powerful forces in business are momentum or a lack of momentum. And it's clear that you have applied your energy in a way that has enabled you to have consistent momentum all year round, every year, over and over and over again, you maintain that momentum in growing and moving forward. And that's been one of the the, the keys uh, to, to your success that I've been able to observe. I've also heard a lot of people you know, talk about the idea of balancing uh, work and personal life and trying to have that balance in, and that uh, you know, balance is, is in your personal life is a, at least equally as important as having success at work, of course. But one of the things I always try to point out to people is that it's very difficult, if not impossible, to have balance in your personal life without having success at work because your success in your work opens up a lot of choices and opens up a lot of opportunities for people. And having that success as a foundation for work gives you the chance to build a really successful personal life around it. And so it is key for especially the younger people listening that you're willing to put in that effort on the front end, uh, particularly that uh, you described there, Evan. So as you look into the future, you know, five, 10 years down the road, what do you feel like you're most excited about? Many things that uh, that's a gift, right? So to be able to look forward and be real bullish about the future, not only for my, my division, but for the Keller household, I, you know, first and foremost, I, I'm excited about being a dad, you know, you and I share in a, in a dad group that we belong to. And, and uh, that that brings a lot of fire and ignition to me. And I, I want to become the type of man that my kids want to emulate and model and importantly, showing them how a marriage can thrive and grow. Like, so I'm really excited about the the Keller household and and kind of what we're going to accomplish and and trips and things I'm going to do with the kids and everything within that that frame I'm, I I got a lot of energy for that and you know what I, I'm still excited to be in vector not every day is an exciting day in business but when I look over the entire year and 5 years and 10 years there is so many things that I can be excited about here. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm working to build a formidable division with inspired leaders that are going to create more leaders in the upcoming years. You know, 2020 is going to be our breakout year in South Coast. And I'm excited for my district manager team and our, our management candidates and the whole nine. So like that definitely brings a lot of energy for me in the next five to 10 years and where I think we can take our business. And then uh, I'm excited about we just, my wife and I just had this conversation about stuff on our dreams list, and uh, I'm excited about knocking some of those off. I won't reveal all, all what those are right now, but you know, from the likes of trips and investments and you know, vacations, things of that nature, stuff that we want to check off our our bucket list. That I know, you know, ten years is a long way out, but I'm like, well, we're going to accomplish a lot in that amount of time. So that inspires us in our home space. And then uh, I guess on a direct level, right now for me, I'm just I'm excited about gaining a lot of knowledge right now. I don't know what it is, but something kind of clicked on for me in the end of 2018, where I just, uh, or I, I suppose it was maybe the beginning of 2018, where I just 
decided that I wanted to be more curious. And so because of that, I've had a lot of new things come into my my view that I never had before. And that's been a result of being curious and seeking and wanting to get more knowledge and seeking answers. And of course, the more I the more I learn, the, the less I know, just like the rest of us. But uh, <laughs> that uh, that certainly excites me that there is a whole swath of information out there that I can get my hands on. And so I feel the desire like never before to shift my perspective and change my lens and bring a better me to, to forget about my business per se, like just to anybody who comes in contact with me. I just, I want to be able to bring more value when I do that. So that's something that I'm really excited about and have a lot of energy around right now. That's fantastic, Evan. It's great to see that you have that desire and that hunger to bring value to others because you're already perceived as somebody who does that at such a high level. And uh, it's awesome to see you wanting even to notch that up a bit. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, as you know, we work directly together for anybody that uh, doesn't uh, understand, uh, you know, the vector setup here. Um, you know, Evan and I get to work together on a regular basis within the Western region. And I really value you as a key player in our organization, probably the key player in our organization in terms of what you bring, the value you bring to the team, and the ways that you inspire other people to want to be like you. I also feel a great sense of anticipation when I think of you, Evan. Uh, Anticipation about what's to come. What's to come for you in the business, of course. I'm excited to see where the South Coast Division will go and all the different things that you can accomplish, but also just anticipation about what's next in your life and and all of the great experiences you're going to have and all the dreams that you're going to achieve. And I really do feel grateful to be able to have the opportunity to work with someone like you and to be able to count you as a colleague and a friend. It's very powerful to be around people like you. And I hope people gained a good little insight today into some of the ways that you think and some of the actions that you take and, and just uh, who you are as a person. So thanks very much for making time for the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks a lot, Dan. I really appreciate the words. Thanks for, thanks for having me on and creating this. It's great. Awesome. The great Evan Keller, everyone, one of the finest examples of all-around personal and professional excellence of anyone that I know. Interesting for Evan to talk about how he first got into being a district manager and and how the pay opportunity was the first thing that or the the thing that most attracted him initially, but then he realized quickly the level of contribution he would have as a leader uh, in the Vector Cutco business. And I think it's instructive for young people thinking about where you're going to go next in your life or where the path may lead you, that you strive to find something that has that balance of opportunity for earning and income, but that also has an opportunity for contribution and significance. Because those things you'll find will be more important to you as you progress. And if you're earning a lot but not contributing, uh, there will be you'll feel like there's something missing. Evan referenced the importance of engaged leadership was something that he realized early on in his life. And engaging as a leader means doing the things in your business that are most important. In particular, uh, who are the key people in your organization that you should be spending time talking to or spending time with and leveraging those relationships to spread influence throughout your entire organization. That's one of the keys to balancing work and personal life. Evan referenced that he's most passionate about his family 
in his personal life, he's truly a family man with a business, not a businessman with a family. And, and having that paradigm shift in how you view work versus personal is a really key thing uh, to be thinking about. And I want you to also realize that doesn't mean that you cop out on your work responsibilities, that you shirk the role that you have in your work life. Because one of the things I said that I think is really compelling is that it's very difficult to have balance in your personal life and have a quality of life that you want to have without having success in your work life. Those two things go hand in hand, and it's very important to balance both of those things. I loved hearing Evan talk about how he has a strong desire to continue to grow and to continue to gain knowledge. I think that's instructive for anyone here to realize that somebody who's at the top of his game is still looking to improve, right? Nobody's ever going to say, hey, man, you know, Evan's pretty great today, but you should have seen him five years ago when he was really great. Evan is continuing to get better and better in his life, and it's clear for all to see. Last, I just want to say that Evan referenced in the podcast his initial manager named Blair Berkeley. Uh, Blair was tragically taken from this world far too young in his 30s uh, from cancer uh, and left behind his wife, Reagan, and two young children. And just wanted to dedicate this to the memory of Blair because he was somebody who demonstrated a lot of these same qualities that Evan does demonstrate with you know greatness in his work and in his personal life. And Reagan, if you happen to be listening to this podcast, uh, we want you to know that the Cutco Vector community stands beside you and wishes you all the best in all the things that you do uh, for you and your kids. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening to the podcast today. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. And if you want access to today's show notes, including links to any resources mentioned, visit changinglivespodcast.com. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. I'll catch you back here in a few days for our next story about changing lives.